Hello everybody and welcome to the Bantercast episode 10. I'm your host Ben Cohen alongside my partner Michael Parker and today we have a really fantastic guest, a guy called Jim St. Germain, the author of A Stone of Hope, a memoir. Jim was born in Haiti into severe poverty and moved to New York City aged 11 where he fell into a life of gang activity and crime. Jim turned his life around with the help of some incredible mentors and now runs Preparing Leaders of Tomorrow, a non-profit organisation that provides mentoring to at-risk youth. Uh, Jim was a super, super interesting guy who we met through Christine McDowell, who was one of our early guests on the Bantercast. Uh, Christina has a, an amazing life story of her own and you'll get to hear some of that in the podcast too. Uh, Christina introduced us to Jim and said that you, got, you have to interview this guy, he's, he's amazing, get him on the podcast. And I, I got to say, I really agree with Christine's assessment. Jim was not only was he hilarious, uh, had some hilarious, really, really funny stories, a really funny take on on life in America and what it's like being an African American or being Black American rather. And um, he's got a kind of a has an unfiltered, raw view or, or on life, and he's. Um, you know, just an all-round fascinating character. So we had a great time on the banter today. Um, and uh, look, we opened up the whole podcast for everybody to listen to, including the Patreons-only content that we usually save for our, our incredibly generous patrons. But we thought it was such a great conversation that we'd open it up for everybody to listen to. Um, so you'll just hear the whole thing as you go through. If you'd like to support what we're doing, you can go to patreon.com forward slash thebantercast or rather forward slash bantercast, where you can um, chip us a few bucks, get access to all, all our patrons-only content, and support what we're doing. So without further ado, uh, Jim St. Germain, episode 10. To say banter or bant over and over again is not a substitute for actual amusing conversation. I'm the Archbishop of Banter for You didn't bant up any offer. Right? Welcome to the Bantercast. Do you know the comedian Godfrey? Godfrey's like African dude. Yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I've yeah. seen stuff from him. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know him? Yeah, yeah. He's, oh, he's wow, a good mate of mine. We we, wow. wrote, we wrote this sketch and we had Crazy. like we had him like you know he's like one thing about white women is they're really really stupid. Like, you know, they go into the park when they shouldn't be in the park. They go right, jogging right, when right. they're not supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah, he's like you can call one eight hundred like holy shit and then you can hire a black man to come right. and scare the shit out of you. We had all these sketches. We did them in Brentwood in L A. where we had like him hanging out on the corner. Right. And like then some chick walking past and he's like oh and he jumps out. <laughs> <laughs> and he did like all these cardio moves like oh, the purse pull, the right. purse pull where he's like pulling the purse off this is like right. the purse pull really works right, 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 right. <laughs> that is crazy <laughs> because oh, so, man, I, I swear it's... someone has got to say something about it because mm. it does like the more I see it is this bad This I thought this is really bad because mm. but I went to Georgetown yesterday with my wife and we did white people watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's the best place to do it. It was, it was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. We yeah. were just like, yeah, that is, that is some of the, you know, there's like on paddle boards down, yeah. going down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you should see the juxtaposition of my Instagram feed with like yeah. all my friends at Inside Out Writers yeah. and then all my friends from my childhood yeah. and like you, the like, like contrast. A, I'm like, yeah, oh, culture shock, world, culture yeah. shock. Of crazy. Them. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I can see now, like, the wealth gap in my Instagram. Oh my god, feed. me too. Like most of my white friends, is always like it's always a party, always like yeah. a pool, a party. This yeah. all, and then my most of my black friends is like shit, man. How are we gonna survive this shit? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I've got to pay rent a, next month, or I've got to like, yeah, yeah, 
it's, it's so funny. Yeah. So literally, as I was walking in here, my friend Lauren Billy, she grew up pretty. You know, she grew up okay in like San Diego. Had a really challenging life. Um, did a lot of drugs at a very young age and almost committed uh, suicide. Mm. And so she knows what struggle is like, but she still, she's a white woman. So mm. there's that, there's a little privilege that come with, not a little, there's privilege that come with that regardless. Mm. She just went to see her f- father in Boston with her little sister. Mm. And she called me literally just now sad. She said, oh, Jim, how you doing? I was like, um, I'm all right. She said, I'm with my parents in Boston and I don't know what to do. I said, what do you mean? What happened? She said, they're so poor. I don't know if I should help clean. I don't know if I should um, buy them something. I don't. I don't know what to do. She's like, I. I don't understand. You know, I don't understand how they what live happened? like this. And she gets it in a sense, but you can tell that a lot of the friends she's hanging out with now, which some of them I know, are pretty much on the other side of that. Mm. Have a lot mm. of money, young, doing all sorts of crazy shit. Mm. So sitting in the house with her own family, not being able to go to like a nice restaurant or yeah. do these things she's been doing a whole lot, she doesn't know what to do. She's literally calling me and asking me like I'm the poor expert, which <laughs> I am in a sense like, Jim, what do I do? Yeah. I'm like, just be yourself, you know, talk to them, see what they need. And, yeah. and you know, and I see that a lot in people who don't always know how to navigate About and deal with other people, people who don't have as much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But her own family? She, yeah, her own like, family. That's weird. She doesn't have much neither, but you know, she's younger yeah. and she lives here in New York City and yeah. so she's around a lot of young, hip yeah. um, tech yeah. people moving into the city. So she, yeah. you know, she's she's okay. She's all right. Would, would you yeah. also, uh, this is just a question, would you also... By the way, are we on recording? Oh, yeah. I oh, you are? Oh, yeah, shit. He does that. He does that. He does that. I like this, man. Is my channel okay? Your channel is okay. Your channel is amazing. Okay. okay. Can you hear yourself? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. So well, just, here's a question. Here's a question. I want want to hear both of you. Yep. Yeah. Do you, do you think that whiteness is just about skin color? No. Mm, yeah, no. No, it's not just about skin color. Because I've seen white black people. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, it my God. Those, in Georgetown as well. Those in are... Georgetown. Those, <laughs> especially we're talking about politically, those can be the worst, man. It's like... Mm. Um, but you also have to, to, don't forget that Ben oppressed people historically, some black people have with reasons I quite understand, try to escape who they are Mm. because it's very painful being black Mm. in this country and society. So sometimes they psychologically start to convince themselves that they're not, Mm. um, that they're different. Mm. And it's very dangerous because those are the blacks that racist people or people who do not understand the plight of oppressed people use to say, hey, look, I told you it's not racism, it's not bigotry, because this black guy this, feels the same way, right? Same way. Perfect right. example, this morning, the first thing Donald Trump did, mm. the first thing, uh, as we have a, a hurricane that's mm. ravaging through Houston, he tweeted about... Sheriff um, Apio's, not Sheriff Apio, the Clark, the black sheriff that's like extremely racist. He said, oh, my friend Clark has a new book out. Go get it everywhere. The president of the United States, the (laughs) first thing he did this morning was promoted a book of this Uncle Tom, Clarence Thomas is kind of guy, right? 
because Trump can use him. I, I don't know mm. if you see what's been going on in the news lately, like when he did that press conference. Yeah, and black, yeah. black guy, people. It's always one idiot, yeah. right, who's probably Blacks mentally deranged. Yeah. They take that particular person, they say, we're going to buy you McDonald's blood. and put him right behind him. Yeah. Right? So that is very much a thing, and it's mm. frustrating, and it's and it's um, it's um it's hard. But I also understand why some people, if they're not... Um, if they don't have a strong foundation in who they are, understand mm. the history and the greatness, mm. understand that everything started in Africa, yeah. I can see why they don't want to associate themselves with being black. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's tough. It's tough being black. You and know, you're mm. you're from Haiti. Yeah. So originally. that's a, another very interesting. Um, people don't know Haiti. Haiti. Yeah. Will you tell? Will you tell them? It's a shame, man. Will you tell us about your childhood? About the first independent really? black nation. Yeah. Tell us, tell but us. they don't Beat know. The French, who fought the French? They don't know, but they um. But it's by purpose, by design. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't supposed to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to remember. The Haitian Revolution started in 1879. Mm-hmm. The smallest, so Hispaniola, the island originally had Indians there, when they were killed and murdered, then um. Columbus started thinking about bringing Africans to Haiti to work the sugar film, sugar cane plantations. That sugar was the main thing at the time that was being exported from Haiti. Um, those Africans were mostly from West Africa. So my ancestors are most likely from Guinea and Ghana and, and those kind of areas. Um, so the Haitian Revolution started in 1879 and ended in 18... No, 1779, yeah. 1779, it's I believe. 1700s for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it ended in 1804. Yeah. So it was approximately 14 or 15 years. And so Haiti was the first black independent nation on earth. Mm. And we talk about in the 1700s, Ben. Mm-hmm. Mm. Can you imagine having the rest of the world realizing that there was a small country mm. in the Western Hemisphere? Mm with slave revolt, were able to defeat the most powerful army on earth at the time. Mm. It was the French army, Napoleon. Um, So that's been the history of Haiti. So the Haitian people are extremely resilient. But Mm. what happened following that was Haiti was basically isolated from the world. We were barred. We were barred from entering in trades and negotiation and geopolitical movements. We weren't able to set up a banking system. And also the debt, right? France forced Haiti to repay. You know your shit, Ben. So Haiti, basically, the French, with the international power behind them, the United States, the Great Britain, and all the other uh, world leaders at the Mm. time, the uh, colonial powers, actually levied a tax against Haiti for gaining their own independence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is insane. And Haiti has been paying that ever since we gained our independence and we actually just suspended it just suspended it by a few years ago oh my god instead of those fuckers paying us can i curse yeah you sorry <laughs> fuck no you can't no, curse right we were they levied a tax against of billions of billions of dollars for a small country that was never able to mm. set up an economic system in the first place because yeah. we could not mm-hmm. right the united states were in on it Great Britain was in on it. Mm. So all these countries basically isolated Haiti and, mm. and fucked us. And, um, and what you see now, the poverty in Haiti, the struggle, which you see a lot of people th- sometimes who do not understand history because mm. the education you get here in America and mostly in most world and developed nations are curated by 
the people in power, right? Mm-hmm. Like for yeah. example, yeah, the I history didn't, is... I don't remember learning any of this. Of course not. You don't, no. probably don't even know any of it. Yeah. No. And I'm this not surprised is, it's by design. All they show you was George Washington was great. And right. yeah. This was great. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, you know, I told, like I, told my wow. grand, I told my grandmother yeah. the history of British colonialism once. And and my grandmother, she sat, we were, she's an 85-year-old woman. My brother yeah. and I were like, listen, you know, this is what the British Empire's done. Yep. My grandmother's like, she's like, what? Yeah. They didn't teach me that at school. Yeah. And I said, yeah, but, you know. Why would they? Why would they? Exactly. She's like, I want my money back. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. She, she yeah. was, you know, to her credit, she was, she, she was outraged. Yeah. But yeah. it's not so, at all. So, Ben, I'll tell you another really interesting thing most Americans do not know and should know. And, and it's really interesting because you would think that the way America would pay Haiti back is by helping us, supporting us, and mm-hmm. um, helping Haiti to become what it has the potential to become. Uh, when Haiti defeated French mm. in 1804, mm-hmm. the United States was half the size as it is today. Mm. What happened was the Louisiana Purchase which made the United States twice the size that it is right now, only occurred because Haiti was beating France, and France needed money to fight Haiti. So Napoleon and the French government ended up selling half of this country to the United States. So no te- way. What? Wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it again. Wait, say that again. That yeah. is the, some crazy shit. That's yeah. real shit. You yeah. can Google it. Yeah. The Louis- the, Wait, describe the, what the Louisiana Purchase So the, the Louisiana Purchase So you have to remember, right? Half of this nation mm-hmm. was owned by France at one point Right? Which is why um, Don't quote me on it I think above or beyond the Dixie Line I can't remember Mississippi exactly Right, those parts yeah. Like even New Orleans Like the yeah. French yeah. Creole yeah. All yes. of that comes yeah. from that French people yes. The French government owned half of the United States Right? Early in the not early, but sort of like around early 1800s and late 1700s. Um, French was fighting Haiti. Uh, the French army needed money f- to buy weapons and guns and, mm-hmm. you know, just wars are expensive. And so the United States was already trying to purchase half of this country from France, but France would not sell it. They, there was no need to. And when they were losing the war, they needed that money. They ended up selling. They, the Louisiana Purchase mm-hmm. then took place, mm-hmm. which made the United Holy States twice fuck. the size as it is. Prior to that, we only had about 20-something states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So technically, if it wasn't for Haiti, the United States perhaps wow. today would not be what it is. would not have 50 states. That's some Game of Thrones shit. No, this yeah. is real shit. Yeah. Like, you can do it. Look it up. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure in the, in the internet, you're going to get all sorts of answers, but... You ask any political yeah. or historian that you know, mm. or just historian in general, they'll confirm that, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh, yeah, they're no, never that's, gonna. That's one hundred percent legitimate. Yeah, they're not yeah. gonna yeah. tell you that you know. Oh, it was happening because of Haiti, mm. but French made that. They sold that land because they were losing the war. Yeah, they weren't selling it before. They sold yeah. it around the same time as Haiti was defeating and they still them. Still lost the war. Still lost the war, mm. and we actually had Haitian soldiers that came over in 1776 to help America fight against Great Britain. Wow. There's a statue of them in Georgia. Um, mm. I can't remember which city in Georgia exactly, but there were about 20-something Haitians mm. that soldiers that came over and helped the United States fight Great Britain. Because Haitians at the time, the mindset was any country that was fighting for their independence, we're going to help you. Mm. 
It doesn't matter if you're the United States or, mm. or, or wherever. And how did we get paid back? We were occupied by the United States for 37 years. Mm. And we're still being fucked by the United States now. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's neo-colonialism, right? That's you, exactly it, it's right. It's just colonialism, but not... It's not, it's not like... Pretty much. So no decision ground. is make, made in Haiti without approval from Washington. Yeah. yeah and if Washington said no to this, if they don't want certain presidential leaders, then you can't have That's them. Aristide was a perfect example. Aristide yeah. was the people's... Mm-hmm. The people of Haiti chose him. Yeah. The United States government removed him, which mm-hmm. is no surprise to anyone in this room because that's what we've done around the world. If we like a dictator, if they promote our causes, then all of a sudden they're good. Mm-hmm. If they go against our causes and our will, then all of a sudden they're a dictator. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about how many dictators we've supported around the nation. Like mm-hmm. Pinochet, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Shah, we didn't remove them until he started mm-hmm. to not... Saddam Hussein. Right. Saddam was one of our closest friends for a very long time until mm. he changed on us. I mean, you can mm. keep going. Um, Gaddafi. Batista, Gaddafi. Batista was yeah. a Cuba was a good friend of ours mm. um, before, mm. you know, Castro came in and got rid of him. So um, these are things, though, you would never learn mm. in our textbook and you never learn them in our classroom. And so a lot of the shenanigans you're seeing now, I believe, is a direct consequence of misinformation mm. and mm. curated history yeah of course I, like i remember one of the sort of the most interesting sort of um it was like an analytic like a comparative study right between mm. looking at countries that europe colonized right and then countries that europe didn't colonize yep. right uh, that were at similar kind of stages of development so like in the sort of when was Haiti? Haiti was was in the 1600s, right? It yeah. was right. So if you look at like, or like take Africa, right? So like the Ashanti Empire in in West Africa yep. was a highly advanced um, kind of culture and and uh, civilization. And um, if you looked at feudal Japan at, at that time, it, they were kind of similar in size and te- technological advancement and economic kind of the, the prosperity. And you, you could probably argue that the Ashanti Empire was more powerful than, than um, Japan was at the mm. time. Yeah. Uh, one was in colonised and one wasn't. Fast forward 400 years, yeah. what's the difference? Yeah. Right? That's comparative wow. history for you, right? Yeah. That, shows you the, wow. the, the, that shows you what colonisation does. That's exactly right. It, it's just, you it's, it just rapes the... Yeah. Fuck, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I it mean, really does, yeah. Even when you look at the struggles between the Hootsis and the Tusus in, in Rwanda. Yeah. It's hilarious. Who came in and told them that you, are you were Hootsi? Yeah, Hootsi. Vicious, and we've done that. Yeah. So the, the divide and conquer method has been used throughout history by colonial powers. Even during slavery, you had... The yeah. Willie Lynch theory, which basically, when American slave owners were having a hard time controlling their slaves, mm. there was a gentleman in the Caribbean named Willie Lynch. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Willie Lynch theory. No. If you get a chance, you Google that. Um, so basically, Willie Lynch was a successful slave owner in the Caribbean. And his method was that he was like an expert. So slave owners here would go to him and say, hey, man, we can't control these slaves. What do we do? And Willie Lynch basically told them that you need to divide and conquer, right? Mm -hmm. What you do is you can't oppress all of them the same way. So you're going to have house Negroes, which is why in the black community, if you get called a house Negro, it's like one of the worst things, Mm -hmm. right? If you get called like, if you heard a black person say, oh, he's shucking and jiving and Mm -hmm. he's a house Negro, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like that Jay-Z song, Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. N-word, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
That's basically come from that philosophy. So yeah. Willie Lynch told them, you're going to have slave, you're going to have house slaves. So if they're a little bit lighter, mm. you have them in the house. Mm. So they're going to still be slaves, but they will be eat a little mm. bit better than the, than the field slave. Mm. If they're tall, you pick them against the short. You put the women mm. against the men. You put children against parents. Mm. Because in that way, if they're so busy hating each other, mm-hmm. then it's hard for them to view you as the problem, mm-hmm. as the slave owner. Mm-hmm. And that theory has worked. And it's actually something you can even see in a lot of communities today. You have mm-hmm. people who should be coming together to work collectively, mm-hmm. but instead... Hating on each other. Yeah. yeah. The crab in the barrel thing, right? Pulling mm-hmm. each other down because historically, mm-hmm. it's a psychological thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it's something that the black community ourselves has been struggling with because... Um, it's been taught for so many years and you have to fight against it. But that theory is something that helped to divide and conquer people. I mean, even if you look at it on a broader scale now, you have Trump. What is Trump doing? He tells folks that, look, the reason why you as that white man don't have this is because the blacks are taking it from welfare and the Mexicans are coming to take your job. The identity politic has always worked throughout American history and is still working today in a very strange way. Yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I I so have so much kind of fear about this administration is the this is more the sensibility that they're they're kind of trying to attract. Like what what they're what what kind of instincts are they appealing to? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's the very dark the side darkest, of people. Yeah, yeah like, the darkest. You, you know, it's, it, whatever you want to say about Obama, whether his policies were this or that, the guy appealed to our better nature. He did. You know, that's true. And that is for you know, and I'll get behind any. You know, I'll always get behind the person who's trying to appeal to our better nature. Yeah, because we all have a little look, bad in us, yeah. right? Yeah. If yeah. someone pulled that, constantly using that. Yeah, As a leader, why? You know? Trump just did the opposite of what Obama did. It was hope versus fear. Oh, yeah, of course. Of, 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 just, of course, he just yeah. Po- he literally the polar opposite. But yeah, yeah they, I think that we humans have these sort of darker instincts. You know, yeah. they have these fear instincts and ego based ideas. Which is the easier instincts. place to go, I feel like. It's, right, the, sometimes. It's, it's, the, it's, yeah, it's the coward's way out. Yeah. yeah. It's the yeah. easy way out to yeah. go and blame someone else for your own problems. Yeah. And That's true. You see all these white people marching in Charlottesville. All I see is a lot of very sad people, mm-hmm. a lot of very, very inadequate, in pain, distressed people who have got, they, they have to hate on someone else to make themselves feel better, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and appealing to that. Trump is appealing to those people. He's, exactly. I don't want right. to get on Trump, but. But don't you. Yeah, but as a black man, how the heck do I feel bad for some, some white kid who've taken up hate? But isn't that part of the problem, kind of? Because wouldn't it be better. If there was no, and this is gonna sound I'm almost socialist, but the issue is that like the economy is used as a weapon, is weaponized yeah. to divide everyone into as many categories as possible, in order to like, you know, in order to leverage wealth. Right. So isn't part of the problem that you can't feel sorry for this guy because he had it a little bit better? So like, I kind of fuck him. I have it really bad. So like, and he's against me. And I'm going to focus on fighting him. That's a, that's a great question. And I think, um, for me personally... Jim, you've got to solve this problem. Simply, what's the solution? <laughs> what is the answer? By the end of the podcast, solve. you've got to we'll solve right. racism. No, well, you know, so here, here's the truth. Um, for me, here's my truth. I, to- I... 
disclaimer, I actually don't believe most people who voted for him are outright racist. Yeah. I think a lot of them are biased, but we're all biased. We mm-hmm. all have biases. Uh, there are a lot of racists that loves him and voted for him, yeah. no doubt. Uh, there are people who voted for him strictly for political, I mean, strictly for religious purposes. Mm-hmm. Their church tell them you need to vote that way. Mm-hmm. There are people who voted for him simply because they're one issue voters. They're like, all right, this guy's going to cut taxes. I don't care what else he does. I have right. friends who did that. Yeah. Business people who like, mm-hmm. they know he's a bastard, but they're like, it doesn't matter. The stock market okay. is going to go crazy in the yeah. next three years. So yeah. I'll make some cash. That's it. Economic, yeah. you know, success yeah. is going to solve everything. Mm-hmm. Forget about morals and values. Mm-hmm. These people, to me, are still dangerous to a certain degree mm-hmm. because money can't buy everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are those who were truly hurting. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, as much as I love Obama, presidents have but so much control over yeah. how well the economy do, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so there are people who are hurting, and if they're hurting and they're going through things, and then here's this guy who's telling them, here's why, the reason why you're hurting is because if these people, yeah. I can understand why. They would think that, especially seeing a black successful family in the White House right. for eight years and these right. people have their own fares. Right. I can see why they get so angry. Right. But I guess what I was saying earlier in terms of me feeling bad for those mm-hmm. individuals is that I can understand social issues. I can understand personal mm-hmm. pain. Uh, I can understand biases. I can understand ignorance. Mm. I cannot understand and sympathize with hate. Right. There's and a you difference. Have to. Exactly. Right. There's 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 me hurting and I can't find a job and right. I'm struggling. So I get that point. And then there are people who strictly hate me simply because yeah. I'm a black man. Exactly. Yeah. Those people, I don't give a fuck about them. No. no. I don't. You no. know, if they if they if they're gone. ignorant, too, they're too they are. If they're too ignorant and you know, I, look, yeah. I love speaking to people who. I think a really decent human beings are mm. misinformed. They might have biases. They mm. might say racist stuff. Right. But I know deep inside, they're they, good people. They're yeah. good people. Like, yeah. they just don't know certain things. Yeah. And then there are people who just straight up... You feel it. You feel it. They're just hateful. Yeah. They just hate yeah. people. They yeah. hate you because you're yeah. black, because you're Jewish. They just hate yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So those individuals are the ones I'm referring to. I, yeah. I'm not so sure I have it in me to feel anything for these people, no. man. Um, I wish I can. And if they're willing to change... Or, or, or maybe it's like a t- I, I sort of view it as like a time thing like you know it's like Donald Trump ultimately right. like at the ultimately I, f- I feel sorry for the guy right. I, oh, but, oh, but I don't have time for that right. shit right yeah now. but he's 70 right. something fucking years and, old and right. country, when are you gonna right. get it get exactly yeah. right you know right. I might feel bad for a 12 year old kid who's right. in the right. middle of Idaho yeah. who doesn't know certain things yeah. and he's being t- uh, taught hate Where's then the I'm like line? right I get that but it's 2017, you're in your 70s, 17, you're successful, that shit out. <laughs> you're worth billions of dollars, right. but you're still using hate. You yeah. s- so to me, that's the difference because I've never hated anyone. Yeah. Granted that I wasn't taught to hate. Right. I may I may feel certain things because like historically or whatever. Yeah. of things that as a people we've experienced, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I may feel certain things and I may speak out on certain issues, but I'm never going to see someone and automatically right. say, well, I hate that person oh, because yeah. he's white. Yeah. yeah. Right, that person first have to give me a reason. Yeah. Right, I'm not just gonna automatically hate someone mm. because of who they are. Mm. So I think that's the difference in right. terms of the right. question you asked. We don't have right? a tolerated hatred. I, I, right. We can't. No. No. It's it's hard for me to do so because my existence, right, right my son's existence rely on that, yeah. and I. That's it's what, it's that's hard. What, that's what I'm saying. Like when you see those, we were talking about this on the podcast. When we yeah. saw the the Charlottesville marches and the Nazis, right? Yeah, it's Nazis and, and Nazis. Very simple. Exactly. 
swastikas yeah. and saying the Jews will not replace us. My, my father is, is a Jew. Right. I know what happened to my ancestors. Yeah. I'm, that shit is not fucking happening again. That shit is not happening again. Right, so know. how do you Fuck. feel? Dude, we're in how so you tolerance, feel? man. You gotta tolerate, let it happen no. again. You gotta be more tolerant. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, right. man. Let's pick, yeah. No, no, no. So the question yeah. is, how do you sympathize with that shit? Like, fuck that. No, you know, I'm not going yeah, to yeah, yeah, say, My grandfather went out and batted fascists in the streets in London. In, in the so I just yeah. went completely like yeah, right? I'm getting militant here. Yeah. Relax, relax, I'll do the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have watched the Mayweather McGregor fight. I'm still yeah. out of touch from that. Yeah. But no, I, but like yesterday, yeah. I was uh, waiting for Jim outside of the African American History Museum, yeah. and I saw this Instagram post that came up in the yeah. public feed, yeah. and it was of a white couple. Mm. Uh, celebrating someone's birthday in front of the Robert E. Lee statue with like balloons. What the fuck like is wrong with these people? Okay, yeah. okay. This was posted and, and it said posted 19 hours ago. Uh-huh. And I was like, what the fuck? You know, I'm sitting there. Mm. People are celebrating this museum and they're also, right. you know, experiencing pain and yeah. all kinds of, I'm and I'm reading this post and granted, and then Jim will <laughs> tell you, mm. I, I, sat there for like five minutes writing something like mm-hmm. you know uh impulsive back mm-hmm. to him and then deleting it and then i was like how am i going to get through to this person that it's not okay even though his message said he was like you know this park has been and today he was writing about the park today that's been used for to celebrate lots of birthdays and we have such great memories here and <laughs> and but then at the end he ended it he wrapped it up with oh but what did he say about how but because a black man helped Oh no! Because a white man helped a black man. Well, he's saying even the mayor of that town, who's black, has had some positive praise for that statue or such. Right. Yeah, and so he completely missed the point of the bigger Mm -hmm. picture and the depth of our history. Like you could tell in his post, it was not even conscious of it. Mm -hmm. And so, though it was well intentioned, I was like, when Jim came out, finally I said, can you read this to me and tell me how I can appropriately respond? Because he had over 200 likes and everyone was like validating this. Mm -hmm. And I looked at through like a psycho, I looked through all the people and was Mm -hmm. like, I don't see a single black person liking this post. Like where, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and I got really upset and I was like, how, and I said to Jim, like, how do we show in a meaningful, non-reactive way how do I let this person know that this post is completely misguided mm. that I found it some, you know, I was offended by it mm-hmm. and it irked me in a way that I just, I was like, how do I explain to him uh, that this isn't okay, it's that cool. it's not about him. And so, yeah, Jim yeah. and I started talking about how, how do you make someone see the larger, the deeper history and why we shouldn't be, yeah, what was interesting about the post for me was I actually don't think the guy was being mean. He didn't mean right. to. Yeah, I don't think he... He just, he, he just doesn't understand. Because history is interesting that way. History is what it is for different people. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Your hero might be completely right. the opposite for me. Right. And from his post, I didn't get that F you guys. Right. This is who I love right. and right. this is how I see it and forget all the of South you. South will rise again. It, was, I, it wasn't that... It was more like, this is what I was taught. Uh, this, I, I, I get the argument now, but this is my view of it. My view is a positive view of it. And this other black guy agrees with me, so... <laughs> That's exactly right. right. So we must be, must right. be right. 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 Yeah. So I didn't right. feel like yeah. an intentional, like, sort of, like, hate from him. Yeah. And no. 
people like that, I think, are people who I usually love engaging mm. because there is an opening there, right? right. They're not straight right. up telling you, right. F you, right. even though they kind of Do in a way, curse? but it's you not really curse? because they don't... <laughs> Thank you. Let it out. Thank you. Yeah. It's not really because they want to say it to you. It's right. because this is what they were taught. And if you understand the educational system we have in this country, yeah. you can actually sympathize with that view because mm. technically, let's say you went to school in a soft somewhere. They might have been telling you that this was your hero for your entire life, right? Mm. So if you view that person as your hero today without being uh, exposed to another side yeah, of that side person, of it, yeah. then I can see why. I, I, um, have so, a, I have like a strange thing about like Winston Churchill, yeah. right? Because if you look at some of the stuff Winston Churchill oh did, my God, yeah. he's a bastard, right? Yeah, I was a bastard. Yeah. He, he did some... He was a terrible racist, like colonialist, yep. misogynist. Mm. No, not so much misogynist, but he yeah. was. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Probably. All that shit. probably, probably. <laughs> but, probably. but, but in Britain, he's credited for getting our country through World War Two mm-hmm. and being right. and defeating Adolf Hitler. Without Churchill, right. there would be. You know, I, this is highly unlikely that world like the the. But shouldn't we, we embrace duality of people? Like, shouldn't we be able to embrace like yeah, like yeah, he this was guy was dick, awesome he was here, but not he so was there. not also not a good person. Like that's right. that's more human and that's more you honest. Know, you know what it is, and I actually I I am okay with that. Yeah. Um, and I I think also we have to look at timing matters, situation matters. Yeah. Um. I think for certain people, though, there was no no such fucking thing, right? right? So, for right. for example, Hitler's right. like, I don't give a fuck. You can't yeah. find anything yeah, good about that his shit. His trains like, were very exactly timely, right. Very fuck Duali with yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyone who fucking lynched yeah. people, yeah, slaves, exactly. and I, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, no, I, doesn't I, matter. I'm not negotiating yeah. with that. But yeah. for other folks like Churchill, I can see why we yeah. perhaps right. want to look at both sides of that individual, and, right? And, and, and it's also like Gandhi, you know, like Gandhi, right? Yeah, Gandhi was a dick. He was racist. And you can say that about so many heroes, right? I mean, yeah. some I've had I've met women who's like, Yeah, I love Dr. King, but he was such a you know, he Sexist yeah, dude. he had yeah. like he was Lots cheating on his wife. And sometimes I, I because live. I love him, <laughs> I tend to like uh, can we not talk about that well, side? So then this right. is where section but, intersectionality comes in where we talk about right. gender differences right. and feminism. Yeah. Right. And uh, and it, it, male privilege, yep. right? We talk about that. Let's, Damn, this yeah. is complicated. Right. Let's go what, down to that. I what, say, can we just? Well, what, I want to hear this point. No, I let's talk. Hear, but I, I tell you one thing though. Maybe I think my also one of the reasons why I said that also is here's my view on sexuality and sort of like people's sexual preferences. I literally believe that you should be able to fuck, suck, and have whatever fun you want to have sexually. Yeah. I think if you and your partner agree on it, I think that. Cool. Historically, cool. the church and society told us this is how you need to be. You yeah. get married, you find one lady, and then mm-hmm. you settle down. And yeah. that's bullshit. Like, I think human beings, sexually, we have all these shit inside of us we may need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about earlier with the sex worker who came, the people are basically freaky, right? People are freaky. People Pretty are much. Freaky. And my view on sex is that, look, man, we got so many real shit to worry about. Yeah. Fuck who you want to fuck. Go 69 That's all exactly day. right. Now, you can go 69, but if you wake up the next morning, you're fighting Trump and you're helping people, you're hey, doing good shit, 69 keep doing day. that stuff. Whatever you right? need to do. So that's sort of like my view on it. So with that being said, so now, granted that yeah. if 
if you have a commitment with someone, y'all both agree yeah, that y'all going to do this Contract. thing. But we don't know if that's what King and Coretta had. Maybe. Maybe, maybe she was they like, did. Maybe they don't. Maybe she was doing her thing, but women are much better at it than guys are. I mean, I'm I just, just saying. Church, well, if he was close with the church, do you think? That's important. But the church, you, I, I don't know. I don't know. The church itself is, you know, you I don't want preach, the religious folks out here to kill me, you. but the church itself is... Oh Lord, let's not talk about the church. They, <laughs> I know a lot of church people church. do the total opposite of what they yeah. preach. You know, it's oh, come on. It's a lot of sixty nines going on. Yeah, church. man, touching Kennedy, all sorts of. Kennedy, same yeah. deal with Kennedy. Oh yeah, right. but I'm sorry. So let's go no, into no, no, feminism no. because no, that's important. But I just wanted to kind of clear that up. Not to say people should not bring it up, but yeah, you know. but it's a thing. Right. So Christina. the black man technically had the right to vote before the for before the woman or white woman, even though they were, of course oppressed and blocked and no one let them in the south yeah. but legally uh and fast forward yeah. how 50 years later white women voted for fucking trump yeah so they didn't do that it's much crazy. with it <laughs> <Man. laughs> yeah. yeah. did a whole not lot of fucked up shit anyway. with it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's not all white women it was, right. 50, it was i think it was like 53 percent that's a fucking 50, lot that's, a that's, that's 53 percent of white women with daddy issues yeah that's like, what you know i what? said my dad that's this reminds me of my in, asshole I, dad and he's gonna take care of me let me right. just vote for him that is a shame tell us about that well it's funny that you're the white woman in this you explain yourself yes i don't know i feel like oh god i got I better be careful what I say because this oh, don't be will be on the internet forever. No, don't worry. Uh, but I actually, I don't, I feel like maybe this statement's kind of arbitrary because I haven't done any research on it. Um, but if I were to uh, make my own theory about why that happened was, I don't know, like being out in the field, right? I'll give you an example of something that I experienced because I worked under the Democratic Senate in California and mm. I was running a field office in Pasadena Pro. and I was out in the field knocking on doors, registering people to Who vote. Who was Kamala Harris? Huh? Kamala Harris? No, no. This was during the 2016. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, oh. she was on the ballot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she won. Uh, I love her. So I, the, when I was in very... Republican neighborhoods. I remember knocking on a few doors and one door, you know, the, the, it was this big white man and he opened the door and, uh, no, sorry. His wife had opened the door and she was, um, she seemed kind of like a very thin, frail Asian woman. Mm. And, uh, they were older, like maybe in their sixties or seventies. And I said, hi, you know, I'm here representing the Democratic Senate of California. And I'm, have you registered to vote yet? And who are you voting for? And you should vote for Hillary. Mm -hmm. And she, before she could even say a few words to me, her husband came and like pushed her to the side and was like, we're voting. We're Republican. We're vo She's voting for Donald Trump. Like wow. and very aggressive. Oh. Um, wow. And then kicked me off their porch. Mm. Lovely. So, yeah. And I just felt like. Oh, wow. So she clearly doesn't have a voice in that home. Mm. Um, and then how many other, I don't know, how many other women are in abusive or toxic relationships mm. uh, with a man where they feel, you know, they're going to do, they're going to support their husband. So I'm going to push do, back a little bit. I don't I'm know. I'm going to challenge you just yeah, a little okay, bit. Yeah, okay, that's good, good. Because this is completely right. based on like because, one so experience I'm, that I had. Right, right. And, and I'm sure that's, that's a thing. We understand how... A lot of men use all sorts of shit mm -hmm. to control women, whether mm -hmm. it's physical power and money and all mm -hmm. sorts of things. We get that. That, right. that, that happens. Um, but I've, I want to believe that when you know what's right, 
you do what's right. Right? So yes. knowing that when you go in that voting booth, you're by yourself. Unless your husband well, is right in there with you, behind you, saying, yeah. this is what I want you to do, which maybe that happened in some cases. Yeah. But I'm not so sure it happened this, for all 52% well, of women who the, voted for him. This is the interesting thing. And this was solely based on my experience with my father, is that denial is powerful. Meaning... You know, it's why I, it's the same way I look at Ivanka Trump, right. you know, and working in with her father. It's, and I don't understand why she hasn't pushed back harder and been a voice for more women. So I don't, when it's your father or someone you think that you love, I don't right, know. True. Maybe she's just an asshole. Maybe, well, maybe, that's what right, I think. <laughs> but I think it, but again, it starts. Yeah. At a young age. Right. Also, I, I, I but, think that you, you you do have to take into account um, how women sort of experience the world and being like a big dude. Like, I'm a big dude. You're a big dude. Yeah. Michael's a, you know, he's... he's Powerful, he's, but small. He's, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he, he's like a ninja. But, exactly. Um, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? When, you're, when you, you just view the world in a certain way and, and, and like... I, I mean, think my, my wife is the tiny. numbers. Hmm. The but numbers. She runs it. The uh, numbers. But, she runs was, it. but she's frightened of, of like she can get. I've seen her being afraid of mm. guys. Yeah. Who, you know who would look like predators. Right. You know. Well, I look at predators. I look at the dude, and I'm like, I size whatever. him up. I'm like, what yeah, would I do to this dude? Right. Yeah. Whatever. There it's, isn't. It's not, there are usually world for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I have it is right. No, 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 I have a dog, and I walk my dog every day, and there isn't one day that goes by where I don't. Feel, feel like I have to be careful. That's the world that women about, live in. That's right, the world that right. I live in, which I'm sure, as a black man, in in another way, you probably do. You um, feel that way living here? Yeah. I should ask you, you when you're you driving. Think. I mean, you see the news all the time. Yeah, um, exactly. Right. So it's right. it's, so, it's different, but, but it's but but it's interesting it's you're saying that because them. I also one of the things I've been trying to do a lot lately in my life is understanding other people's angle and views and how they live life. So I think 10 years ago, there are certain things I would say about rape or women mm -hmm. or, you know, just some um, sexual abuse that I would never say today. Um, and I think that partially comes from as a black man, understanding what I have to deal with in this country. So I try to put myself in other people's shoes, right? And say mm -hmm. to myself that, you know what? When I walk down the streets at three in the morning, the last thing that comes to mind is some guy jumping and grabbing right. and raping me. That right. never, I yes, don't think yeah. about that. Yeah. I think about a police right. officer right. shooting yeah. me or some other shit happening to me, maybe a robbery, but I don't think about rape. That's, it doesn't mm -hmm. come to mind. Um, so therefore, because that's not my experience, if we're having that conversation, I'm not the one to tell a woman mm -hmm. How she should feel. Right. And what you're saying is not it. accurate. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I don't have no fucking. That's not my yeah. views. They're not valid, and I can have mm. opinions, mm -hmm. but right. I I'm, I can't be the expert on mm -hmm. that, right? So therefore, um, I understand that even I mm. have privilege to a certain degree mm. because of that. Because I don't have to think about think that about, one thing, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. And it should not be a privilege. It should be a norm. Like mm -hmm. it's not a privilege that somebody Feel shouldn't safe. rape you or to be safe. Like that shit mm. should be. That's yeah. our human rights, right? Um, so, you know, that's one of the things I try to do to understand other people's plight. Mm -hmm. I, I, I also think there's something to be said for, like, I think you can get too far sometimes 
down like rabbit holes you know what I mean like mm. where we divide like look I'm a white male so therefore like I'm privileged but then some days I just I don't feel very privileged you know I get anxiety and mm-hmm. feel like shit and like feel like capitalism is like ruining my life or <laughs> right right, you know right, I mean? right. And, and, and then well then there's the economic yeah but but but, but, but the, the, I think sometimes when we divide things up so much well I'm a you're I think Gorka did this thing called the oppression olympics mm-hmm. right which was it was pretty funny it was about basically everyone would like compete to say who was the most who oppressed had it worse, right. yeah. who had it worse because it was just, it was just kind of poking yeah. fun at the the cult, uh, at the kind of mm-hmm. um this movement in intellectual in academic intellectual circles where it's about right. you know, intersectionality and and gender pronouns and that kind of stuff which is i'm not saying it doesn't have its place but i right. think if we go too far down that can just forget that hey we're all just human beings having a human mm. experience and shit is weird and complicated and you know at the end of the day like most of my childhood friends in london that i've got all of them are com- from completely different backgrounds and we mm. grew up together and when i was a kid i didn't know that there was a difference between right. mm-hmm. i thought everyone were hindus right, right. that's why i couldn't understand that we yeah. weren't hindu right. like when i went home to my mom i, was like, oh, I always say that i would talk to my mom and say, are we hindu and she was like, <laughs> no no why don't we have the dot thing on, on the head and i couldn't understand it right but like sometimes it's, it's nice to have that and we can get too deep into these like categories and you know i'm a white male you're a black male you're a cisgender Mm. white Mm. female privileged just a person right you know at the end of the day you know what i mean no you're right ben Uh, i I think sometimes though the reason why we have to get really deep is because some people don't always understand on the level that you do right some people when they hear privilege they automatically think that you means they have a jet and 10 houses and have orgies every night and right. you know that like they think awesome. that's privilege exactly right that's the I'm that trying to get that life too but they don't really understand privilege means that I just have a little bit more than others and I should use that right. to make this world just a little bit better yeah. right like for example I I know friends who are worth millions of dollars now I know a lot of attorneys I know a lot of mm. businessmen I know mm. a lot of people in the media mm. Historically, growing up the way I grew up, those folks are not available to us, mm-hmm. right? You, you got, so we, we've taken a very yeah. Long yeah we haven't yeah, got to go back to Jim. Tell right, them your, your ch- about your childhood, so we have and like an book. understanding of the yeah. of the um the yeah, drastic. So sh- do you guys have any questions, or should I just just what's the best way to just go for it? Just yeah, go for it. Yeah, it, yeah tell it. us um, where you were born and what those years were like in book. Haiti. Yeah, so... When did you leave Haiti? What age did you I leave? left Haiti as I was turning 11. So you remember Haiti? Yo, very well. Yeah. Uh, life in Haiti was tough. So I was born in Haiti. Um, I was born to a gentleman by the name of Jean St. Germain. And my mother was um, Merlin's, uh Jelen. That was her last name. I'm saying it. I'm trying to translate it in English. But if I would say it in French or Creole, it would be like Milan Jelen. Jean Saint-Germain. Um, my, interestingly enough, my mother's side of the family, her grand-grand-grand-grandfather used to work for some French soldiers. So when Haiti defeated France, a lot of the land of the individuals my grandfather way back was sort of like a servant for 
all those land and property were left to him. Mm. Whoa. Mm. Yeah, because when we kicked the French out of Haiti, we told those bastards to get the fuck out of there. So that gentleman on my mother's side of the family had all these lands. So my mother's side of the family actually were well to do. Mm. I mean, really well to do. They have land all over the country. Um, But my dad was the total opposite. My dad was extremely poor. Um, He was an alcoholic. He uh, was on drugs, a Mm. lot of crack cocaine. Mm. Um, He was a very angry and abusive guy. Mm. And my mother was like, quote unquote according to like the standards back back then it was like very pretty and beautiful and mm-hmm. came from like a little money mm-hmm. um and they had four kids together and prior to the four of us together each had my mother had three kids before my dad and my dad had two before my mom and they came mm-hmm. together had four which was nine wow. then wow. my dad had one more after that that makes 10 and then my mother had three more after that so oh i have 13 God. brothers and sisters Holy. Um, yeah, they were fucking like crazy, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, condoms. Orders like, every night. Nah, they were just fucking, man. Like, yeah, they fucking. All of us are like a year apart. Yeah. Yeah. They were just, they oh, weren't playing. Back to back. Yeah, they weren't oh playing, man. Yeah, back to back like Jordan. Um, yeah, so, um, <laughs> so you know, we uh, we, so, but my dad was also very abusive. So he he would beat her. And we didn't live with my mother's side of the family, so it's kind of strange. We know she had, she was her side was well to do, mm. but we never got to experience that shit much. Mm. We were like, fucking, we were like really poor. So I grew up basically with no running water, no electricity. Um, kind of lived like in a little mud house that was more like a hut. Mm. Um, a lot of hunger and pain and suffering. Like as as a kid, I didn't, I would go days without anything to eat um i remember i used to roam the streets like literally trying to find things on the floor to eat and if it was mango season then we we would like eat mangoes all day but Mm. if it wasn't then we were fucked so then i started to really hustle as a very young kid i would go to different people's houses and like wash dishes for them Mm. or Mm. clean for them so they would give me like food and then we were in and out of school for a very long time because in Haiti there was no public education and if mm. your parents don't have money then you basically don't go to school mm. we would get tutors here and there from my father's friend this guy named Eddie um, but life was fucked up man life was tough mm. and um, it's you know I I I, I can't understand how kids get to go through this experience hmm. of that level, yeah, that level right. of poverty. suffering yeah i mean you don't choose that shit as a kid yeah. and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. you have no control you as vulnerable mm-hmm. as heck and and then you just got to deal with it and i yeah. know it's happening right now to millions of children around mm-hmm. the, around the mm-hmm. world even here in, in america one of the fucking richest places on mm-hmm. earth did, did you i mean as poor as you were mm-hmm. do you did you have a happy childhood do you was it good, happy? really good question i you know there were a lot of happy moments man um we would we were very creative. We would create our own shit. Like we would create our own cars and our mm. own kites. Like mm. we would find like discarded pieces of metals or whatever was around. And um, actually, I remember Christmas in Haiti was like the best Christmas I've ever had in my mm. life. Even though mm. we didn't have much, but like my grandfather maybe would send us like a toy, like you know one yeah. little piece of water gun or 
or some sneakers for like ten dollars, but they had lights at the bottom that light up as you walk. Yeah. Um, and then we would we would create these things where we took um this chemical, put it in like a metal um container, and you would shake it, shake, shake it, mm-hmm. and then you would light a lighter at the back, and then it would explode. <laughs> Crazy noise, right? And it was like a thing we did during yeah. Christmas. Um, yeah, there were a lot of fun moments. We always play soccer. Yeah. And we had no shoes on. We had no soccer balls. We made the balls out of plastic bags and mm-hmm. we would use Wrap. rubbers and wrapped yeah. around them until like yeah. it becomes like inflated. Yeah. Um, we made our own, um, what do you call that? Um, it's like this thing you kind of ride around. It's kind of like a car like type a of thing. A scooter. We made our own scooters like yeah. out of crazy shit. We would yeah. play marbles. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was... There were like some cool moments, and yeah. also in, in in these places, there were no laws and no rules. So, you know, those will fucking give you a beer at like seven years old, like <laughs> you little bastards, get out of here, drink this beer, and you know, leave me alone. Yeah, um, you know, like we would be drinking alcohol like at a very very young age. Mm. Um, I think people, a lot of people, so you had a similar upbringing as my mother. Mm. My mother, you know, sold trash. Mm. You know, when she was four or five to feed Where, the family. Where was she from? Taiwan. Mm. Uh, at that time, Taiwan was very, very poor. Yeah. Um, but shit, you look white, man. What the fuck? Oh, I, no, no. This guy here for all the you, time thinking he's white and he's for you. I look white. Uh, for white, white, white people, white privilege. Like, get this guy. They're like, that's your black Exactly, right? It's very funny. Actually, it's very funny. But I think, but part of it is you didn't grow up in the states because, for example, here. Like, if you're from the States, you know that I'm that way. It's very funny. Right. But, like, when I went to Africa for the first time, it's the first time yeah. I've ever been white. Yeah, 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 of course. You're, and yeah, it was anywhere crazy. else you go, you go to Haiti to you're automatically white. Oh, like, it was a weird... Everybody call you blonde. You're like, it what? It was crazy. I was like, I was like, oh, I get to be white? This yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But, then, but, then, but then they'd be like, like, hey, white man, you fucked up my country. I was like, I didn't. Yeah, I, I fucked up. <laughs> right. So, Never mind. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny. Never mind. But I think uh, that... that a lot of th- that question that Ben asked, it always kind of rubs me a little bit of the wrong way right. because we kind of mythologize suffering, especially in this country right. where it's like this kind of badge of honor. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. No child should ever go hungry. No child should look for food. Right. No child. And we, we, everything, a lot of people, especially people who become successful like you, look right. back on it fondly like, oh, those were. But at the time, it would have been nice to like, have a food you know interestingly mm. i actually don't look at it that way mm. i'll always look back and say this shit is fucked up it's fucked up though i'm out of it no yeah. fucking kids are going through it i go back to haiti often man i yeah. i tell you an experience i had just a few months ago and that shit i've seen a lot in life but that shit really still i, I went i went back to haiti during the hurricane and i remember i have the picture of the baby on my phone i met this father Met, I met people who who had to get their legs cut off simply because they couldn't afford to buy a dollar medication. Mm-hmm. I met people who um, who had nothing, man. Like, they had no food. And I met this one particular father who had this beautiful little boy. Um, and the father, you can basically... He was telling me that he accepted the fact that his son is going to die because he can't take him to the hospital. And how much money it cost to take him to the hospital was about $20 in American money. Because the town he lived in was 
six hours away from Port-au-Prince and he could not take the child to the hospital. Mm. Um, so I, I, um, it's really hard. It's beautiful baby, man. And, um, and you know, we were there trying to help out during the, the hurricane and we brought, um, like food and supplies, whatever we can. Mm. Um, but there's, but so much we can do. And I was just standing there knowing that I was just standing one hour away from Florida. Mm-hmm. Three hours away from New York City, and there's a child that's about to die mm. because twenty dollars because the parents don't have twenty dollars to take him to the hospital. I said, this, this, I'm sure he's. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but I, you know, it's a, it's, it's a funny thing about like I did a similar. So I would uh, for five years I would go to Afghanistan every. Uh, I grew up the border of Pakistan, Afghanistan. Yeah. So I I saw a lot of what was happening with the refugees. So wow. every every winter I would spend the winter in. You were born Afghanistan. there? No, but I lived there. Oh, you lived there. Gotcha. Who? Sorry, was your dad? Journalists, writers are asking me questions. Mm. Yes, I know your dad. <laughs> yeah, my dad was, was in the foreign service. Yeah, my dad was working uh, to help refugees and. and wow, in the and where was he from? My dad is uh, from California. He's his mother is uh, Hispanic. His dad's Irish. Wow, so you're. I'm like full blown. Whatever thing you hate, Mix. I'm me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Right? Yeah. No. Uh, but but we. Um, but so every this is like for uh, you know 2009 until you know 2015 or 14, and you go there with very good intentions, but because there's no base level of law, security, no infrastructure, no nothing. anything. It's like what, what nothing do you, you do? Can do. Yeah. It's yeah. just like picking up sand, and it all falls through your fingers. Nothing. Yeah, can be and done. sometimes you leave there feeling empty, like then did I actually totally make empty. a difference? Maybe I should have given the money instead of flying out over here. Maybe I should right. just give the right. Red Cross all the cash. Maybe it's just my ego that I want to be here. See, I don't trust the Red Cross. I don't trust most big yeah. organizations like yeah. that. You know, yeah. so especially being that it's my home. Yeah, I've always wanted to go myself and do as much as I can. But I'll tell you, one of the things I realized we we were able to raise twenty thousand dollars. We only spent about eight thousand mm. during that trip. Although, maybe we just made a dent in yeah. terms of what people yeah. were experiencing. Yeah. But what I realized was that. I needed to do something sustainable. Mm-hmm, you exactly. can't build a nation. It's, it's systemic problems. It is. Systemic problems. Yeah. And you can't just go in for one incident and doing this. Yeah. It's just not. It's You understand it why it's needed? Mm-hmm. Right. But you need to not have the same issue occurring 20, mm-hmm. 20 years later. Mm-hmm. So what we did, we actually kept 60% of the money we raised. Mm-hmm. And we're now building a community health center in mm-hmm. Haiti. That's cool. Because in Haiti, for every 100,000 residents, there's one physician. One. And those physicians, by the way, have... Oh they fucking operating with butter knives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, anyway... Just quickly, before we forget... Is there, going back to the... St- no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, we're going to get back to the story, but mm-hmm. also just anybody listening, where can they go to help with this project? Now, the only struggle we have is that I'm not doing this work through a, a, an, an, an organization, official, an yeah. NGO. So you know, it's hard to tell people. Like the money I, I raised last I time was, yeah, it was like friends who know mm-hmm. that I've been doing this work in Haiti and knows that I yeah. show mm-hmm. results. I always bring back receipts. This, I show them what I do, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not doing it through an organization. Contact you. They can contact you. Well, in addition to that, I'm also doing a lot of mentoring work in Brooklyn, New York. I'm yeah. helping kids there too. So if they go to plotforyouth.org. P-L-O-T for youth.org. Preparing Leaders of Tomorrow is our mm-hmm. nonprofit. Um, it, um, 
it's a 5-1-C-3 organization. Yeah. It's not connected to the Haiti work we do, but that's like the best way if someone wants mm -hmm. to help out, they can. Mm -hmm. um, if they help you, basically, they can help, like, the more funding you get for this, the more time you can dedicate. Yeah, I mean, I... Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, uh, it's, I, yeah, yeah, the work I, I do is legit. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of thieves out there, so, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's hard for me to tell people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think at some point, maybe I probably will formalize things to do more work in Haiti. Mm -hmm. um, I've always, I'm a person that believes in getting shit done. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to wait and say, you know, I'm not going to go to Haiti and do this shit until I, I have an organization. You wrote a book. That's no joke. Let's right, talk about the book. Yeah, yeah. tell them what the name. Um, so the book is A Stone of Hope. And I, as I was telling you a little bit of the journey earlier, it was basically the book uh, recounts our life from Haiti, a life of extreme poverty. Mm. Um, to abuse growing up as a kid and I was always a survivor though so I've always mm. had this ability to adapt to every circumstance that I was involved in mm. and that was always it was good and bad at the same time mm. um, so in Haiti we struggled a lot and finally we were sold this image of America mm. and it's like streets of paper of gold oh, yeah. how do you know yeah. shit so we were like told America is the place where you come and everything, everything will look like will, the movie Home Alone. Home Alone. That's literally it what I thought life would be like. Describes in the first chapter of the book of, of my book. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you t you thought that the streets would be paved with gold. There would be no more hunger, right. pain, suffering. You would mm -hmm. have a nice home. Mm -hmm. um, so when I thought of America, I thought every home in America looked like what I've been seeing in D.C. The areas we've been to mm -hmm. and around Maryland. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's kind of what I thought. So when I move here as a young man, I move into a totally different environment. Mm. So there are a lot of drugs. Where, where neighborhood it was in Crown Heights at Crown the time. Pre-gentrification, let's be right. clear. Because right now, people different. who's in Crown Heights right now, they're like, what is this kid talking about? Yeah. No, yeah. you like people who just moved there. Exactly. <laughs> you guys who moved there, brought the Starbucks and stuff there. I'm not talking about that Crown Heights. Um, there's still pockets that yeah. you have these things. Uh, so... Being in that environment as a young man trying to assimilate to the culture and mm. just basically trying to survive, you had to do what the wolves do, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. sort of like it's either you're a prey or a predator. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. That's the options you had mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, I'm sure perhaps folks who've had a stable home and had some mm -hmm. role models and had a path forward may, may have had a different experience. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's what it was. And How old were you? And were you with your parents at the time? Yeah, I was with my grandparents at the time. Okay. And they were, they were older, so yeah. they really couldn't keep up right. with... And how old were you? I was... Uh, I just turned 11. Okay. I moved here when I was turning 11. Right. So when I started really getting involved in the streets, my dad wasn't around. Mm. My mother left me as, at a very young age because my father was abusive and he almost killed her at once. He mm. he was going to hit her with like a piece of metal scrap until somebody like ran and grabbed him. Mm. And then after that, she just couldn't take it anymore. So she packed up and left. Mm. And my dad was left to raise all of us on his own. And mind you, this guy had no income. Mm. Um, he was an alcoholic. He was on drugs. He was mm. a lot of shit. So our childhood was basically that. Mm. So being here, uh, caught up in that system, I mean, caught up in the streets, I then got involved in like hustling and um, a lot of fighting and um, smoking, drinking, mm. just just all the fucked up shit that as a kid you kind of mm. want to stay away from. So then with that comes violence, right? When you're selling mm. drugs, you're hustling and you in that life, it brings a lot of heat to you. 
So I started losing friends. A lot of my friends were being killed and getting shot. So then now we're having run-ins with the law on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. um, was getting like arrested every other week or so. Mm-hmm. And by the time I reached like 15, I had been arrested about a dozen times. Mm-hmm. And finally, I got these serious charges at the time. Two D felonies for, um, for dealing drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, not marijuana, but much harder drugs at the time. Yeah. And basically the judge got tired of me and she sentenced me into the juvenile justice system. She sentenced me to a year, but I struggled there a lot during the first year. So I was taking back to court where I was given another year, two years. And at the end of my second year, I actually went to court myself and asked the judge to give me a third year really? voluntarily. Yeah. So because what happened is I got very fortunate where I was accepted into a group home lifestyle by, that was ran by Boys Town. Mm. And... I realized that for the first time, I was in an environment where positivity was promoted um, because the family teachers I lived with at the time, the people who ran this group home, mm. were like highly educated and it's like a Muslim family and they're just, mm. um, it's a black Muslim family and it's just expected like the best from us. Mm-hmm. And we were learning all these new skills mm. that was replacing the fucked up skills we had coming from the streets. Um, it was a upper class neighborhood in Park Slope, Brooklyn. Nice place. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. know Park Slope. Very nice. And it was just ten minutes away from where I grew up. It was yeah. just the strange shit about yeah. this country and just yeah. Brooklyn, New York City in general. You can be in one block and be a totally different world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so through that process, I started to just grow and mature, and mm. um, started to read, and I quit smoking and drinking, and um, I started working out. Um, just got a job and wow. started going to school and finally got received my GED. Then I was getting ready to leave the program. I enrolled in college. I was able to move on and um, graduate with a bachelor's degree in political science. And what, then I went to grad you, school. I went to John study? Jay College mm. for criminal justice. Oh. And then I was accepted to NYU grad school. I went to Wagner where I mm. ended up Dropping out because that shit was too expensive. <laughs> they wanted a hundred thousand dollars for a master's degree. It's and crazy. Like, this is how you ruin education. That's exactly yeah. right. Mm-hmm. I was the, the other shit that drove me crazy about that experience was I was in kids. I was in class in school with kids from all over the world, from mm-hmm. fucking rich mm-hmm. families, and they were like full ride scholarship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my ass was like from thirty minutes from the school. They wouldn't yeah. give me a dime to go to school. Right. Yeah. Um, then I went back also to that same facility. Mm. where I was in as a young man and started to work there. Mm -hmm. And being a staff person, just three years removed from the system, I was back working with the youngsters and Mm. um, trying to provide to them that path that I didn't have early on, which I found in the family teachers. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, And then life kind of took on from them, and I just realized that the environment which I grew up in was not... Um, a natural phenomenon. I realized that it was created by Certain policies, structures, structures and shit yeah. that were put in place to basically fuck a particular group of people. Mm. Um, I wanted to have a voice in that and I wanted to change that. Mm. So I started to focus on working on policies um, and also uh, I founded my own nonprofit. Um, organization which is plot, for, again, plot, plot for, for Youth plot for youth. Yeah, preparing leaders of tomorrow mm. it's pretty um, pretty good name that that's a good yeah a I, good, because yeah. I wanted to raise leaders man and I realized what mentoring had done for me I realized it saved my life mm-hmm. from the streets and I 
was meeting a lot of young people who had greatness in them, but they just did not have someone around to mm-hmm. to help them find that, to extract it from them. And I mm-hmm. wanted to, uh, I wanted to be the one to provide mm-hmm. some of that to them. So that's how this. Um, what, what do you think? So I've been reading a, a little bit about. I have a, a friend who's running a, a, a culinary school in Brownsville. Yeah. A uh, very cool project. That uh, is a really good project. Yeah. I can tell you just based on hearing the culinary school in Brownsville. It's, yeah. It's uh, this guy. Um, so it's originally it from the chefs guy Klaus Meyer is the co-founder of Noma. It was a re- it's like number one restaurant in the world for four mm-hmm. years, two Michelin stars. Wow. And his thing is like, you know, creating a restaurant, the first ever, or maybe like the only white table called restaurant ever in Brownsville, Sex Food Stamps. It's an amazing organization. Wow. And you have to connect me to him. I 100% will. Mm-hmm. They're amazing people. Right. And one of the, the GM of that uh, gave me a book uh, called How Children Succeed. And, and then they're, they're talking about uh, grit. And they talk about a lot of these organizations in these kind of neighborhoods where, unlike your story, they go through the mentoring. They, go, they, you know, they, they get to a good family, but then they go to college. Mm-hmm. And they, it, for whatever reason, they kind of fall off. They don't have the strategies to deal with a new culture, a new group right. of people, new expectations. And then... That is a profound question. Yeah. I get it all the time. Yeah. Jeez, um, I. Why you and not? People always ask me that. Ask me that question, and because it's I not a magic pill, right? It's, it's not, not like, a magic pill, yeah. and I understand why they ask me the question. Um, and the only, it's it's a it's a good question. It's it's also weird because. Mm-hmm. I people always tell me, man, you have this thing in you. You got this special thing in you. It's in you. Mm-hmm. In in a strange way. They're right. I've mm-hmm. always had something in me. I've the always grit. been a people's person. I've yeah. always had that grit and the tenacity to hustle. And yeah. I've always had the foresight to realize mm-hmm. an opportunity and hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I was always adaptable. I was moldable. Right. Mm-hmm. I always had these things. I right. don't know where I got them from. I think right. partially I had to grow up a lot faster than most kids who were born yeah. in America. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I was born in Haiti. Mm-hmm. I was my own man at seven years old, six mm-hmm. years old, literally. Um, I've always had to provide for myself at a very young age. I've seen a level of poverty that most people have not seen, right? Mm -hmm. And though I don't like to suffer, I don't like to compare suffering because I don't care if you're suffering here or in Mm -hmm. Haiti, you're still suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't do that often. But I think some of those, that level of resiliency and the ability to adapt to Mm -hmm. new people and culture and to um, Mm -hmm. find your way and be successful regardless of which environment you're in, they're teachable. They are teachable. Yeah. Um, but also, because none of us in this room are special. Mm-hmm. We all have had yeah. opportunities. That's what my mom says. Yeah, I know, right? Mommy would disagree. <laughs> Except for you, Ben. Right. right. No, she, she um, grew up telling, I grew up her telling me that. Because I thought I was, and she was like, you know. No, right, exactly. <laughs> right. She's right. Yeah. We just, right. you know, like every kid. I, I disagree. Every, <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I believe that every young person have it in them. Yeah. Uh, and I think when we start to think that, oh, this person is special, right. this person has the grit, then we right. started to give, give right. our own. Right. We're giving ourselves yeah. like a free card to not step up and exactly. do the right shit to exactly. make society better for these kids, but there which is, is like what we should be doing. A, like there's a, in this book, they talk about some examples of um, this chess teacher. She's like, I forget where she is. She somewhere, I don't remember if she's in Queens. But uh, so one of the like the poorest schools in the New York boroughs is the number one chess school like in the country. Right. Whoa. Yeah. And everyone's kind of like wondering, surprised. like, how the fuck have you figured out how to do this? And the thing is, she says she teaches these kids for years mm. this basic idea that 
a failure is not a reflection of your permanent state, right? Because you're bad at math doesn't mean you're permanently bad at math or you're permanently, you're permanently stupid. And that's the number one indicator of, uh, like if they were to go across the board from wealth to parents to, you know, skin color, the number one indicator of success is always this idea that you're a malleable thing that can change. That's exactly right. And, And that right there is the reason why I love kids so much. Yeah. Right. Which is why yeah. I am willing to give them all because I do believe that, you know, the, the adolescent brain is malleable and mm-hmm. it can be changed. It can be formed. It can be molded. And mm-hmm. if you just give it the effort, then you can get a lot from it. It's mm-hmm. hard, especially when you talk about kids who are coming from a, a, a very tough socioeconomic um, mm-hmm. background and kids who are dealing with abuse, kids who are dealing mm-hmm. with um, parents who perhaps have been had drug issues mm-hmm. and young people who are having to protect themselves and um, dealing with gang issues mm. and just so many things, right? The, 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 the child do not have food to eat in the morning, but somehow you expect them to walk into a classroom and mm. actually teach and yeah. pay attention. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of noise in the mm-hmm. house and they can't do homework. Just a lot of things they're dealing mm-hmm. with which they can't control. If you're dealing with those youngsters, um, you have to understand that it's going to be a challenge. Uh, but if you st- if you just kind of stick to your gun and mm-hmm. and you stay committed and consistent, I believe you'll have much more mm-hmm. of the story I have than not. I truly believe that there is mm-hmm. nothing special about me at all, um, and I don't like to be think of myself as a symbol, right, right. or rarity. Because mm-hmm. if one thing would have went left, right, then I wouldn't be sitting in this room right now doing this podcast. Exactly. I could have been doing twenty five to life or mm-hmm. six feet under. That's mm-hmm. the truth. Mm-hmm. My entire life has been that, right. Mm-hmm. Just people stepping in. At every point of my life, there was always someone there to extend a hand to me. Now, granted, I was always, not always, because at first I pushed people away a lot. And right. hurt people do that. Hurt mm-hmm. people hurt people. Hurt people push people away mm-hmm. because they don't know who to trust. Mm-hmm. They've been hurt, so they can't right. just go ahead and trust you right away, even when you're trying to help them. So that's understandable also. Um, but regardless, throughout my entire life, there's always been someone there mm-hmm. to lend me a, a helping hand. And that was a, the difference. The, the, this is, and this is what I believe. This is what we're going to get into this. Before the podcast, we were talking about like different philosophy. Like how does this stuff happen in the world? But I also, to a degree at least, I think that, that um, one, of the th- one of the things that helps people kind of change their situation uh, and... and learn and grow and get out of a situ a bad situation that they may have unfortunately been born into or mm-hmm. something like that is an ability to see is ability to not to be open to um the help or something s- different something different yep. and saying okay this i like what this person is saying i'm mm-hmm. going to keep listening to that person or yep. like i think this person if i just stick around these people they seem to be doing something <laughs> exactly you right know what i mean or like yep. You know, there's something to what the what you know, whatever it is, and just following that religiously, like seeking out, you know, um, things that sound right to you. The things that that uh, like the positive, going towards the positive mm-hmm. as opposed to towards going towards the negative. Yep. Jim, do you think that the, one of the reasons why you are one of the lucky ones who got out is because you were willing to take the help? Do you think that some some yeah. kids are not? They don't want the help. I don't believe. So my. Philosophy, I mean, everyone wants the help, yes, right? Everyone, but, everyone wants but to do well. But the willingness to. 
Some don't to know how to. How to how right, to, yeah, exactly. How to, how to say it. That's exactly right. Some don't right. know how to. But also, let's remember that we live in a society where we teach our kids to be self-sufficient and, mm. you know, do it on your own and pull yourself by your bootstrap, whatever that means, even if you don't have no fucking boots on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, in a sense, we've taught, especially when we talk about young men, right? We yeah. taught them this macho thing where you're right. supposed to be the man and provide for yourself. So, a lot mm-hmm. of them, they think accepting the help means that they're weak, and I know for sure what that means, especially growing up in an environment where yeah. weakness you're is so, dead. I said yeah. vulnerability is like mm-hmm. it's you don't want no one to know that you're vulnerable and you you need help. Mm-hmm. It makes you look weak, and if you look weak, then you're not protected, and no one will respect you, right? In that environment, that is very much a thing. So some of those same kids, when you then try to help them, they view it as like they don't. They want the help, they need it, but sometimes right. they don't always know how to accept the right, help. Right, right. So a big part of what to, what we have to do is teach our young people how to accept help, mm-hmm. right? Not just young people, people in general. Some people don't know how to accept help. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to accept assistance, and then that's when we really get fucked. I know, for me, I, I couldn't for a long time. Yeah, so let's get into you, Christina, because you no, and no. I, we've sort of had like a total sort of like um, opposite of upbringing and, and growing up, so... Why don't you tell us? A, do you, do you mind? I, yeah. You know, I think uh, we're, we're, um, we're over time. Yeah, yeah. We, if we could just go, we do stuff for. We have patrons. We have people who like support the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what if you could maybe like just ten, fifteen minutes, just to we can continue the, the chat for the for the for the patrons. I think we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. At, at, at some point, if you can, because yeah. um, I think this is another interesting story too. Yeah. Uh, and we're gonna promote all your stuff on on the on the on the our Facebook page and the banter and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, to get people out. So can you give us the website? Uh, plotforyouth.org. Plot for youth. P-L-O-T for org. I also have my own personal website. It's jimsaintgermain.com. Mm. Um, and you, if you Google Jim, mm. Amazon, everywhere, just mm. you find me everywhere, all over. Right. Um, mm. So, I mean, yeah, if anyone, people who are listening to this, please go and check out uh, uh, Jim's websites and, and his non-profit what he does um, it's been really really awesome yeah. you won it's an um, absolutely fan- like really fascinating always a good we have like, a lot rem- to talk about a lot yeah, to yeah, talk about yeah we've got a lot to talk about but look we're going to go into the to the members um, the members section for our pa- patrons and you can go to patreon.com uh, forward slash bantercast um, we can check out, uh, you know, a bit more about the Bantercast and what we're hoping to do, which kind of community uh, podcast. Uh, we want to keep it completely, uh, you know, listener-funded. Um, so if you like what we're doing, please go and check us out and uh, you can hear some of the, the patrons-only content that we do, which includes... Um, Say, say, how to navigate an orgy how to navigate an orgy and <laughs> now we're going to learn a, which I need man yeah, I think that's why I'm single I, I have not figured out how to navigate, <laughs> navigate an orgy there's a lot of, lot of details there's a lot of, lot of, details, there's a lot of yeah. rules so, orgies are very regulated environments as yeah, Christina would know for us guys we like dogs man we just get that shit yeah, for exactly. the women we gotta work on it sometimes we get lazy right so apparently I gotta uh, listen to this podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know okay, we gotta we, go we, we, we're gonna go into but, but in, in the in the patrons podcast we're gonna talk we, I, I'm super fascinated to hear about how you guys 
connected. Who could have completely different planets. <laughs> yeah. Christina grew up flying around on private jets. <laughs> yeah. right? And I don't know how you guys met, but yeah. anyway, so yeah. we're going to. And go I was drinking the... my own pee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, well, okay, so we're going to go into drink, Jim drinking his own pee and Christina flying around on private yeah, jets. One. So we're yeah. going to go to the, the, the member section and we're going to spend a. Have a look. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay, right, so, so how Jim. Did you meet? Okay. So I taught. He wasn't drinking his own piss at the time. No, not when we met. Not when we met. Not when we met. Fifteen years prior. So I, so like I, I think we talked about this the last time I came Mm. on here. But I taught with the with a writing program called Inside Out Writers in Los Angeles. Mm. At the time, I was writing my memoir, and uh, and through that organization, I became very involved in the criminal justice community in LA. And when you think about it nationally, I've realized, I've come to realize that it's a pretty small world, right, Jim? Don't you think we're all connected? You know, That's we're all true. part of this, the, the, the really struggle is. and the fight. Yep. And as a, uh, and, um, you know, for those who don't know my story that are listening, I had a fault. My father went to prison for fraud. Um, you, yeah. The other, we've had Christina on the podcast mm-hmm. before. So, so, um, yeah, amazing story. Yeah, amazing story. So yeah. go back and um, and so the that's what inspired me to teach. And so I, at the time, I I don't know if it was you or I saw maybe Jim's yeah. post or we have a, we have mutual friends. Yeah. Um, and so I saw this really inspiring post. And I think I saw you. He was speaking at some conference. Yeah, uh, I do a lot of public speaking. for juvenile justice. Mm-hmm. And at the time. Yeah, I was still teaching and I had also worked at the Office of Restorative Justice with children and families of the incarcerated. And I thought, who's this guy? I got to like, I, we got to connect. Mm-hmm. So either I friended him or he friended me. And then Jim reached out to me on Instagram. And I think maybe you noticed I had was had published my, just recently published my book. And he said, yeah. I'm working and on a book like, right now. I was fine author? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and he told me he was writing his book. And then I learned a little bit about his story and was like, whoa, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have the opposite, ex- you know, experience yeah. or childhood. And then um, I said, we should definitely get on the phone and talk. And so we connected over the phone and then we actually didn't meet until about what, a year later, um, a few months ago, Jim was at the, was testifying, uh, before the house judiciary committee on the Hill. Mm -hmm. And I went, uh, to go listen. And I actually wrote an article about it. That's about to be published, uh, in the Detroit free press. That was the first time we met in person on Capitol Hill. And, uh, and now we're here. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's that's pretty much. And then this this weekend, she basically been showing me around DC mm-hmm. and holding me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I took him to see my childhood home. Yep. The, and I, geez, I drove I drove around that neighborhood yeah. for like ten minutes. I was like, oh, this is men- mental. This yeah, next to the CIA. Like basically, <laughs> we're this we is were, crazy. There's, man. A, photo, there's yeah. a photo of your house on the on the on co- front right cover there. of the book. Yeah. Yeah. By like, I saw, the book, by I walk, yeah, I walked by the house yesterday and I was like, whoa, people live like that. This is the life I thought I was going to have, by the way, when I was a kid in Haiti. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like the house from Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, again, I've plugged Christina's book before, but I'm going to plug it again because it's one of the the best reads, I think. Oh. It was, I literally read it in about half a day because yeah. it was so good. It was so, and I gave it to my wife. I'm so like, I'm going to finish it on the bus on my way home today? Yeah. After Perfect. Good. After Perfect, Christina McDowell. Read that shit. Read that shit. <laughs> Believe me, it's good. My wife was engrossed. She was like, "This is that was incredible." She read it and was like, "That's amazing." 
Yeah, it was, it's really good. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be interesting for Jim and I to talk because uh, we were having this discussion. So for me, in order for me, as Jim likes to say, when I became woke... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's like the matrix <laughs> when exactly. i became woke yeah. uh it was obviously uh over time and i was always a very intuitive and um curious child mm-hmm. and compassionate child that's the artist in me you know mm. um wanting to know what it was like to be in other people's shoes but it wasn't until i went to prison and saw my father in prison that i became aware and saw for the first time the severity of wealth in our country and also the massive like injustices that are happening and why was I the only white person at this huge prison where I just kept you know it was just Mm. black and brown people and I was uh, in the visiting room with mostly Mexican because we were on the border of uh, Juarez Mexico where my dad was incarcerated and I just didn't understand. Each time I'd visit him or each time I would go and speak at a prison with the Office of Restorative Justice, I didn't... I was always the only white person there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so uh, I started to read more about it. I got a job doing research on the on a documentary about the mass incarceration crisis. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of became obsessed with the the wealth gap in this country and why I... Why yeah, and, and so I thought after I read The Divide by Matt Taibbi, uh, it's a mm-hmm. great book. Great he book. manages to... He's amazing, Matt Oh, my God. Yeah. He, his research is so thorough. Mm-hmm. He manages... Such a good writer. He's, he's my favorite journalist. Yeah, mm-hmm. he manages to yeah. connect the mass incarceration crisis to Wall Street mm-hmm. and the big banks and yeah, which is, and the well, and how that has no created the wealth gap. I haven't read the book, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. a lot of things I'm going to be like, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Are familiar with Matt Taibbi? She just sent it to me. I sent him the link. Rolling Stone political journalist. He's, yeah. He's the yeah. best yeah. investigative reporter in America, in my yeah. opinion. He's, yeah. And he's fucking hilarious. He's I can't brilliant. Wait. And yeah. so when I read that book and then I met, and then I met Jim, I was like, oh my God, we have, we each have our personal experiences that are tied to each juxtaposition of these worlds. You know, him being a juvenile and caught up in the system. And then me having come from a family of the 1%, you know, um, even if it was not real. Mm-hmm. You know, it was and real then, at the time, at least, right? Yes, right. absolutely, and I can't deny that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the privileges that I still have today because of the resources that mm-hmm. I had, because of my childhood friends who've grown up to become this or that and mm-hmm. connect me to this person or that person. And I'm, you know, last week sitting in a room with Biden's former speechwriter, and you know, because I had a friend who with introduced me to someone who then introduced me to that writer mm-hmm. who right. said, you should meet this person, you white, know? And white people's network. Yeah. 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 To 100%. So we talk about, again, we talk about privilege. <laughs> As I said earlier, we that's what we this. mean by that, right? Mm-hmm. Not that you have all the wealth, but just the fact that you can sit in the room, which I was in yeah. the room the other day with one of Obama's speechwriters, David Litt. Yeah. How many yeah. people in the world can, you know, but it only happened because I was at a cocktail party with Harper Collins, who published my pu- published my book. Mm. Was is one he of the in top. He, he actually is in DC. He runs Funny or Die. As a matter of fact, I can get you him on. He would love to be on your podcast. He has a book coming out right now. Anyway, um, it's called Thanks Obama. People who have books want to yeah. come on podcast. David yeah. Lit, yeah. I got you. David Lit. Sorry, yeah, I, I, I make the okay. connection. I have his is email. he from here? This area? Yeah, he's from here. He's from DC. He still he has his office right. He lived right near Busborn Point. He's he a famous one who's like really young and like, no. well, he was really young at the time. He's really, I'll show you him right now. How old is he? 
Uh, I think he's like in his early 30s. Yeah, that's the guy. He was like 27. And yeah. I don't know if you know, this is him right now. It might what? be. One of us is him. Guess one. Guess which one? <laughs> I can't tell. What, yeah. No. I think I, know, I think I know that guy. <laughs> let me see. The guy on the right. Yeah. Okay, I know that. Let me see. Let me you see. know him? You're so funny. I don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but anyway, awesome. so I'm sorry. I cut you off, but that's how, really Listen, cool. I'm, so, I, I find all this That's stuff how we met. Really, like, navig- we were talking about this, like navigating different worlds, like navigating kind mm. of like being able to sort of float in and out of like yeah. going from one extreme oh i live that all the time every day man. Yeah. but how we were ta- saying we were talking about this yesterday jim and i in the car when we were driving around the city and so you know what if my father had never been arrested what if the money was legitimate what exactly if i right. had this this um do you need that level of disruption to then I, feel other people's plight and yeah to be sympathetic yeah. exactly did i need Why? what does it mm. take to pull someone else out of their own world to see the bigger world. Words yeah. don't work, only experience. Yeah, that's wow. Right. That's I what like it is. that, man. You've it's been dropping jewels all day. Yeah. That's what I do. Look at this guy, I feel you. That's what I it do. It doesn't. <laughs> it's experience. And we were we were saying, oh, is it tragedy? I'm you like, no, it shouldn't be tragedy. Only experience. It's experience. Yeah. And I was saying, uh, once you've made up your mind. Right. Once you've made up your mind. Okay. Yeah. How do we get people to experience? Well, there's a lot of ways, but and that's why kids are amazing. That's why, you know, Jim was talking about kids. Because yep. words do work with kids. Yeah. Because they don't have the experience. True. Yep. But once your that's brain the has, with them. once your brain is made up its mind, words it's, do it's not It's hard. Work. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Wow. I like that, man. You're right. Which is yes. why I focus yes. on kids so much mm-hmm. because they have that ability to yeah. still be shaped and mold, yeah. you know? It's the experience we said yesterday. Yeah. Or yeah. Chil- it's children. Yeah, it's exactly. a gentle, slow process. Yeah. yeah. So one, one of the biggest lessons that I, I ever learned was when I went to live, I lived in Ghana for a few months. Um, as a, By the way, I can't wait to visit Ghana, man. It's, oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, it's okay. really fun. The coolest the, the, coolest the, people in Africa, I think. They're yeah. the funniest people. They're so hilarious. Funny. Oh, yeah. They're so nice. They're so yeah. lovely. Um, but I went there. I, was, I, I lived there for a while and um, I went there with all these uh, volunteers and um, I remember just, you know, these all going to Oxford. I took a year out in between high school and college and went to Ghana. And there were all these other students that I was there with who were taking their year out and they were all going to go to Oxford and Cambridge and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And I just remember being horrified at how they saw their experience they were like, oh, you know, well, I've got to put it on the resume so that I can say that I've done this and I've gone to Ghana. I've lived in Africa. Oh, Nikki, you're so crazy. You've gone to Africa. To yeah, like, it's it's like a game for them, right? It's crazy. I know. You know, and then... I worry about that sometimes yeah, for some of these people, man. I wonder why do they do it. Same with Haiti. They do that shit too, right? Are you going there because you're generally can people? Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I couldn't... No, no, no. I was just going to say that we were forced to do community service our senior year of high school in order. It was like the more you have the better college you'll get into right. or wow. the, like, it wasn't yeah it, it, wasn't, wasn't, it was like this quid pro oh, quo right. like you know what i mean it was just wow. it wasn't yeah. like do it because, because it's a good this thing. is a right, part exactly. of being of service in the world which is why wow yeah, that I, I, confirms I, a lot of shit I feel about these people going no, after taking it's pictures very weird. and shit. Like, Holding up babies yeah. and putting yeah. on the Tinder profiles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Weird. It's very weird. weird. I went there Fuck. because my... That's my that, do you yeah. think that has something to do with this white savior mentality yeah, 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 and yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's like I have a brown baby. Right. I'm a good person. I'm cool. Right. I should get laid. The fuck out of here! Like you're supposed to be good anyway. You're supposed to do good shit for the world, and that baby is the way it is because somehow somebody down your fucking lifeline (laughs) fucked that baby's grand grand. You know, it's like what's wrong with people? The fucks are now flying out. Exactly. Right. But now they're flying out. I I taught in this class right with these these kids and and um, the kids. I mean, there were kids, like kids everywhere, right? Yeah, there were obviously, you know, there was a lot of a lot of poverty, but like, I was a kid, I don't know what these guys are up to. Like, I've done this shit myself. They're copying each other's homework. They were like, gam- this one kid got done for gambling. Like, like seven, right? This kid was hilarious. But I'm like, okay, listen, motherfuckers, I don't know what you're doing, man. Don't try that shit. So I would like, you know, three of them would hand in the homework in, and it was identical. And I'd be like, that no. sound like I'd me. Like, I'd be like, Listen, I did that shit. Like, yeah. I don't think you can pull one over on me. Right? So I'd say, like, you can't zi- trick I'd a trickster. Give them, give them zero, right? Oh. Give them zero. I'd be like, you know, Felila, go back and do that again. I know you've copied off Prince like over here, right? You need to do it again. But all the other teachers, all the other teachers would be, be like, they'd write like, they'd put gold stars and go, oh, yeah, Felina, yeah, yeah. you're so clever, wonderful, ten out of ten. And I looked through the books, right, from the past volunteer teachers, right. And it was just sort of positive praise, like the most condescending right. shit. I'm like, they're just kids. Yeah. Just because they're black and African, right. they're fucking cheeky little fuckers, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Right. And just View talk them to that them way. Like kids. Just right. talk to them like. So I was like, yeah, I'll fuck this. I'll, 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 I'll this. And, I, and I and I went there. I would like I teach. I did some martial arts stuff with them. I was mm. like reading book. I was reading stories from my childhood to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not doing I'm not getting into this white saviour right. yeah and I hate horrible. it yeah. I always tell yeah. people that shit look man personally for me especially coming from Haiti I don't need no white saviors man I need partners mm-hmm. yes. I need people yeah. with good hearts who wants to do some good shit I don't need you to save me yeah. I need a partnership that that savior mentality fucking disable people and it doesn't they, help them yeah, I see that happening in Haiti now you have it, people going there like yeah. here's take this little stuff to no, we need partners, man. You can't build a nation off of fucking charity. By the way, the kids you know. You need opportunities, exactly. You know, and, and then yeah. you make people become dependent. And yeah. I, but also, I, that's, I that's why I hate the word, by the way, I'm sorry. The word charity, I hate that shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that worst. word. Yeah. Because I think it starts to get people to think like, oh, I'm doing charity. I'm yeah, No, yeah, yeah, yeah. first of all, these people are stronger than you'll ever be. Yeah. They yeah. go and live through shit that you, you probably would never be able to survive yourself. Yeah. So they don't need your charity. Perhaps... Because you want the world to be a better place, you want to be partners with them. You want to help. You want to yeah. make a difference. Yeah. That's fine. But don't go there saying yeah. like, oh, you know, let me, yeah. you poor little. Save the. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. that does. I don't like that mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like it. You know, it's just, yeah. that's I, not what people need. When I taught creative writing in juvenile hall, the girls, when I first came in, they looked at me. They gave me shit. And then I was like, oh yeah, you want it? Yeah, my dad went to prison and like that as soon as oh, I said that my dad shit. was in prison they were like oh yeah me too mine too this boy goes crazy okay yeah she- <laughs> okay, maybe maybe we'll be like okay okay let's talk let's talk but I never yeah they but just they needed a sister but Jim, Jim, one of the in, in the book one of the one of the most important individuals I talk about in the book was Marty Feynman and people usually call him a tough love guy and one of the things I like about him a lot is when we first met so Marty is a Jewish guy mm-hmm. who grew up in wealth Right, he's grew up pretty wealthy, and he became an attorney because that's where his heart is. His mm-hmm. mother has always been in like social service work, but his father's side of the family mm-hmm. were more like in um, in business mm-hmm. and finance. I remember the first thing Marty told me was, "Look, kid, 
I don't know what the fuck your life is like. I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. But here's what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. Here's how I can help you if you help me. Yeah. And I remember being shocked by that. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I was joking with him. I said, man, I'm definitely going to jail if my lawyer's talking to me like this. <laughs> but what I really loved about it from that day was that he was real and honest. Yeah. I got yeah, tired of people telling me shit. Oh, I know what you're dealing right. with. Right. No, you don't. You yeah. don't know what my fucking life is like. Maybe you've had certain experiences, but what I was dealing with and yeah. experiencing, I knew damn well Marty was not dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he did not try to try pretend, to save it. Yeah, yeah. right? He kept it real with me and told me this is what it was. But here's how I can help you. Mm-hmm. I respected it, yeah. and then I opened up to him in that sense because I'm like, you know what? This is real. Yeah. That's what yeah. I need at the moment. I well, need I, real. I think a lot. I do think a lot of people, pr- privileged people, um, it, it's like these are lessons that they need to learn and need to listen to, right? In right. that. Um, the people that you want to help, it's, it's almost like a sort of a child. They they view them as like children or right, right, stupid. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Less than. Right. Yeah, let me right. t- let yeah. me let me yeah. show no, you how to do it. Right. You have to examine your own <laughs> motives in this, right? Are you yeah. trying to help these people to make yourself feel better, or are you trying to help, to help. these people? But That's isn't exactly the, right. isn't what you're saying essentially like the Republican argument for like n- like. Like for it all is these it, social services, it is in that yeah, sense, but but they don't practice it the same way. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah. Politically, to say it that way, but, but then in practice, I don't necessarily think that's how that's some what of they them would view say. it. Like if Th- that's if exactly you were right, a white old white dude saying that shit, right. I'd be like, oh uh, yeah, 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 but, but like right. fuck but, you, but this shit. I'm just saying. No, no, that's a good good point. But I think they're coming from a different angle, though. They're coming from the angle of. um Let's remove the government from everything. Right. Right. The market will solve everything. Right. And no charity. People, but exactly right. About people, communities that they have no fucking idea. What that's the about. other thing. That's number one. So, mm. like black self help, right? Look, I'm right. A, I believe, listen. Black communities should help themselves. We need that right? shit. But these are conversations Isn't that it's that not my place to, to talk, tell. To that's tell exactly them, right. That's it. Yeah. I've always, as a black person, I've always told them, look. Yeah. Black people need to fucking follow the model of the Jewish community. And yeah. I believe in that shit, yeah. and I'm gonna keep saying it yeah. because within that they community there's a strong a fucking of, unity, yeah. and they hold each other down, and yep. we need that shit, especially when there's you've been of, fragmented for so long. Every immigrant community is that way, like because they have that shared cultural which experience. they come with. Whereas over here, Black Americans do not have that. Fragmented. Yeah. They don't have a root. When yeah. a tree does not have a root, that yeah. shit can't grow. Yeah. Which is again when I was telling you the difference between myself. Yeah. Coming from Haiti, though I've been through right. crazy fucking level of poverty right. and shit. Yeah. I've always had a sense of who right. I was. Yeah, I always had, right. and you yeah. can't buy that shit, yeah. man. Like that shit, yeah, that, yeah. that level of. Exactly. So when you talk about that grit, that shit yeah. that push you through. Yeah. That's it. You can't buy that. You I, I knew Haitian I was great. It means something. That's it. Yeah. I knew I was great. Like, mm-hmm. do you know how powerful it is that I've always had black presidents and black women right, on my right, money? Right, right, right. You have people who live here for a hundred years. That's They've just had one fucking so Obama, and it's like, whoa! It's like that's Obama. what I'm saying. That's why, like, the story it's, of Haiti. You see what I'm yeah. the story of Haiti. They're yeah. never gonna teach that. They don't yeah, want black like, Americans yeah. to feel that way because that's the power. Do you know there was a Brazilian? This is another one. You got this one. There was apparently there was a black state in Brazil, right? These slaves fleed. These slaves, um, like, basically created their own state, and they yeah. held out for God knows how. They held out for like fifty years. Mm. Right, they create literally their own communities, their own like civil structure in in Brazil. I forget the details of it, but these are moments in history that are just not taught. To- yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, a reason why they're yeah. not told. 
Mm. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. It, you know, and and I think that the 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 narrative that we've got to like, they're Haitians are poor because they made bad yeah. decisions and all this kind of stuff, and they're just stupid. That's from misinformed. Mm. Yeah. Misinformed people say that because if you truly understand history, you would understand why Haiti is poor. Haiti is not poor because of itself. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, Haiti's been fucked for. Over two hundred something. Yeah, 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 I mean, we count yeah. two hundred after you know after we get our independence, but way before that, mm, you know. Course. So, again, if you a black child in this country or anyone, if you're learning about everything great, that's only connected to whiteness, mm. and power is connected to whiteness. How are you supposed to not view yourself sometimes? Although you are a victim, right, right. to a certain degree. But I believe that a part of rising above the shit in this nation is to not view yourself as a victim. Right. Yeah. Like, of fuck course. this shit. I'm going to survive by any yeah. means necessary. If anything, I'm stronger than these motherfuckers because I've had shit given yeah. to me. Yeah. That mindset, maybe you don't say it to everybody, but yeah. sometimes you need that shit to get you going, yeah. to propel you forward. Mm-hmm. But you can't have that mindset if you've never been connected to greatness. Mm-hmm. If you don't think you can actually do it. Do it. Right. That's why I think Obama, the Obama presidency was... Was a great thing. It, it was, was at least symbolically, thing. it was because now it, it means something when a child can look up and say, yeah. "You know what? I can actually be a president." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love that, that shit that is powerful. Of, I love that photo of the black touching his hair, touching yeah. his yeah. hair. You know, like, that was yeah, like, right, right. Like, are you real? Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> yes, like yeah. that. That that thing. Just think about for all of us. Like yeah. at yeah, some point, we believe something because we see it in front of us all the time. Like you know what? I can do it exactly. It can be done. Well, that's like our conversation yesterday about the media. Can't be it right. And black culture here. So I read an article about this woman responding to a white kid she went to high school with a black woman who ended up graduating from Harvard and worked really hard and is brilliant. And this guy from her old high school class said. You know, can you please explain to me like why I'm the problem right now, basically? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't mean to offend anyone, but like just please explain this to me. So she decided to write an article about it. Anyway, I found her that she she uh, started um, uh, a website called Good Black News mm. in order to counter like the mm. mass media's depiction exactly of right. of mm. black people. That's right. So good. She's because like, let's start telling part. positive stories, empowering stories about the that incredible things that the black that, community. We need to get yeah. that person on the podcast. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys know about Black Wall Street. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. Black Wall Street was one of the most yeah. successful communities. Out what the fuck they did? They bombed yeah. this shit. Yep. They destroyed it. Yeah. And so what black you were referring to earlier, exactly. Positive, like. But the people always try to break and destroy yeah. these powerful things coming from like so as you were saying earlier republicans are turning around and tell you do it for yourself do it by yourself but yeah. when you do they they'd be the same one to want to destroy that yeah. shit and saying oh you building something yeah. different from yeah. what america yeah. was yeah. like yeah. no we yeah. doing our own shit right. Right. right so you know that's that's that speaking out of two sides of the yeah. mouth listen, unfortunately I, I have to rush out of here yeah. fellas but listen, great I, talk. I also think that we've solved all we've solved the world problems problem. yeah, about an hour and a half if you've listened to this, you'll have the blueprint, right? And I'm Jim coming. Has provided the blueprint for us. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Partially. <laughs> Partially. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We had a We're halfway chat. there. Great, We're man. halfway there. I'll, I'll be, I'll be back here soon. So cool. I love love to man. do this yeah. again. Thank you so yeah. much, Welcome Christina. Back. Awesome having you. Always back. a pleasure, yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, we're Christina, we're going to get you back on on the podcast soon because we want. I, we it's like my favorite thing to do now. What right? you've been up to as well, because Christina does crazy shit. Yeah. She does crazy <laughs> shit. So I follow her on Instagram. She does. It's like, it's like lots of intense looks. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's her. Oh, cup that. Says fuck Donald Trump, but she's reading, yes. you know. There we go. There we go. All true. right, listen, Jim, Christina, thank you so much. Thank you guys. Yeah, Thanks. I'm sorry I had to run. No, 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 no,
Yeah. Yep. All right. Woo. All right, y'all. We'll go, go get up. the book, Stone of Hope. Stone yeah. of Hope, Amazon.com. After Perfect, available is everywhere. Yep. <laughs> so, Betsy is out.